Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries Podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. There are so many uh, concepts when you talk about traditions in the world, but I remember just as a boy growing up, I loved this time of the year. My father was a pastor, and there were always events and little things that were going on at the little church that we grew up in. My mom and dad pastored about 50 years, and and it was a great joy uh, to grow up in the house of God. We had everything from singing to uh, to special event services to uh, Christmas party to Thanksgiving uh, feast, and and we still do that at Abundant Life too. Uh, it's just a, a continual thing, and there is a lot. It is a great time of the year to build relationships and to strengthen yourself, first with your family, and then secondly, with the family of God that you're a part of, the local church that you're a part of, and build that into your life. And so here I am now, almost 39 years old, and I can still remember when I was young. And remember, we have visitors, don't laugh. And uh, I can still remember when I was young and all of those things, and they're still dear to me very much. And so uh, when Cindy and I, as we begin to uh, raise our family, uh, after we begin to have children, we begin to raise our family. We raise them right here in the house of God. And we begin to grow and develop uh, our family. And we just kind of automatically fell into that uh, role of engulfing our family inside the house of God and inside the kingdom of God and with the people of God in these times that literally are all about God. You know, the Christmas season is not about Nordstrom's. It's not about Dillard's. It's not about Walmart. Are y'all... It's not even about Bucky's. I know that's, it's almost heresy to say that down here, but it's not, you know. No, it's about Jesus. It's about the fact that our Savior actually uh, became a human. He came to earth and he put on humanity. And I, in this season now, and you can go down the mall, and already they're putting out their Christmas things and they're doing all of that. Would you just make a decision that in all of your festivity, keep Jesus in the center of it? Just keep that right in the middle of it. Let me, let me just go way out and uh, ahead of it right now and just say that if you struggle on how to buy presents and gifts and how to do those things, always remember Jesus didn't come to cause you to go bankrupt on, on December the 25th. Uh, remember 30 days afterwards, you still have to pay that bill. And so it is very important that you use wisdom in there. In the scriptures... If you, uh, if you feel like you're limited in those areas or maybe you're out of control in the buying part and you haven't quite got yourself under control yet, so I'm sure I'm not talking about anyone on Wednesday night, but I just thought I'd mention this because you probably know someone like that. Uh, it's not a bad thing to, uh, instead of just going crazy and going overboard because professional marketeers have developed techniques that will cause you to spend and spend and spend and spend and spend everything from sight and sound. Uh, it, it impacts you. It, it impresses you. And believe me, there are many, many college degrees, so to speak, that are written on how to market and inspire people to spend. So use wisdom in those areas. Uh, do the very best you can do, of course. Uh, but when they came to Jesus, they brought uh, three types of gifts to him. Uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So uh, sometimes you can just set the, the course right up front if you think there's a, a challenge in your spending and in your buying during this season. 
and just say, well, when I give a gift to someone in my family, then we're gonna, I'm not going to do more than three gifts or something like that, to a, maybe to a family member or however you uh, uh, distribute out your family uh, and your friends uh, in gift giving. So um, praise the Lord, take that same old fruitcake that's been in there for the last 12 years, package it up, send it to someone else again. It'll be back around before it's over. Y'all know, the, y'all know how that goes. But, um, but be wise in that area. Be wise in that area because once again, uh, all of the Christmas cheer and, and keep that in a godly thought, if you would please, and maintain uh, the honor of that celebration as we celebrate the risen Savior and the fact that we are saved and that Jesus is our Lord and the, and the Messiah did come to earth. And thank God, I don't know what day He came on, probably not December the 25th, but it's the day that as Christians we celebrate uniformly around the world. And so we magnify the fact and the entire world gets to hear the message at two times every year, Christmas and Easter. And uh, what we celebrate is Christmas and Easter. And the entire world, even, uh, even in the pagan areas of the world, they hear about how Christianity knows those two particular days. The day their Savior was born as a man and the day that He defeated death and arose from the dead. Uh, what a great joy to be able to say that too. Praise God. So let's do it and do it in a godly manner and be blessed and don't go broke in uh, December. I mean, God's blessed you this year. Come on, somebody say, I'm blessed. And so you are blessed. And so let's not go broke in the 12th month of the year after we've tried to use wisdom for the first 11 months. Uh, can, or, is that okay if I talk to y'all like this? I mean, you could have come on Sunday and I would have just went, all oh, of just walked out. But this is Wednesday. We can talk a little bit. And uh, we, we can understand that it is very, very necessary, of course, uh, to... Uh, manage ourselves and to be wisdom in that and, and use wisdom and to keep those concepts. Praise God. Well, let me talk to you about giving before we uh, go any further. Since I just talked to you about spending, let's talk about giving just for a moment. Uh, giving is a powerful thing. I always love to share a scripture from the Word, and I'm not going to keep you real long because I have been writing this week. And if I get started, I, I only have tonight just a couple of points. I have 151 and each one of them will take about 10 minutes. So if, uh, if y'all want me to go that route, I can. Otherwise, I can just teach the Word to you here for a moment. And we can just believe God for an understanding on a beautiful Wednesday evening. Come on, somebody shout amen. Uh, in the Scriptures, there was uh, one time in Acts 4, Peter and John are walking into the temple like they did every day. And there was a man who was there every day. And the Scripture says, that uh, when Peter saw him and he was begging for alms, I like to say he begged for alms and God gave him legs. But anyway, he's begging for alms and Peter that day did something different. He said, look on us. He stopped and he looked at him and he said, look on us. Now he had gone, he had gone by there every day, the Bible says. It was their daily custom to go there. And that man was laid there every day and had been for over 30 years, the Scripture says. Had been sitting there. But this day, he had to take another look. Come on, say that with me. Take another look. And you know, sometimes when you are giving, you have to take another look. Always teach for a second from the Word when we prepare to give. Uh, and he, he just said, take another look. Uh, can I just say that your future success and every one of us give first because we love God and believe His kingdom. 
in His kingdom. Secondly, we love His Word and we believe in His Word. Thirdly, we give because as we give, God gives it back and multiplies it. It's a seed that you sow and when you sow it, it goes into your future and multiplies, the Bible says. And then you find it in that course of time. The scripture says you cast your bread on the water and after many days you will find it. And when you begin to see how that begins to take place, that multiplication process is there uh, because everything you do actually has a seed potential to it. So when you begin to give like that, you set in motion a process. Now listen, you have to take another look sometimes. The, The key element to success when you have given and you love the Lord, the key element to success is the ability to change and to adapt. I don't care who you are, you have to change. You have to have an adaptation ability to your life. If you ever marry that person that says, I'm like this and I never change about anything, and that's just the way it is, you know, that kind of a person, you know, you're not going to have a whole lot of joy in a lot of areas of life because life changes, life evolves, people change. And you've got to be able to adapt or change. If you were a success in 1900, but you refused to change and somehow you got uh, transferred into 2019, but you aren't going to change from 1900, I can tell you, you would not succeed in 2019 just because you succeeded in 1900. There are certain uh, things that are necessary that you adapt and you change to. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Success is a powerful thing. You ought to write some notes down because I'm writing these. And who knows, this might even be uh, on TV. I've had people ask me more than one time, did you see all of Abundant Life and the ministries and all of those things uh, when you began? And I quickly tell them, no, I didn't see all of that, but I changed into it. You have to adapt to things as you go along. And I'm not talking about changing husbands and changing wives. I'm talking about changing in life, changing in yourself seeing things and embracing them. And if you uh, just do everything the way you did when you were a teenager and now look at you and here you are, you know, nearly 41 years old now and you haven't changed any from that, I'm telling you that you're going backwards. You're not going forwards. I don't care who you are. You adapt. You change. The Bible says we're changed into His image from glory to glory, from experience uh, to experience with God by the Spirit of the Lord. It's very necessary. Come on, tell someone, take another look. Say it again, take another look. Because sometimes when you're looking at things, they look like your problem. But if you change a little perspective, sometimes it begins to look like your answer. Oh my goodness. Uh, what was, was David a shepherd or was he a king? It depends on your perspective. It depends upon what you see. Come on, shout, take another look. Uh, Was he just a boy that was carrying cheese or was he a giant killer? Come on, shout, take another look. Y'all help me with this just a little bit, would you? This would be real nice. Was the apostle Paul, was he a persecutor uh, of the prophets or was he actually the prophet Paul about to become the apostle Paul? You got to take another look to understand that or you will... uh, uh, You will literally reject what God has for you. Are you just 5,000 people uh, with a little lad uh, that has five loaves of fish? Or do you see the first 5,000 member buffet? Yeah, that little boy was totally different. He was a feeder of thousands. Was Rahab, was she just a harlot? 
who got the message or did she become the hero that saved Israel? Come on, somebody shout second. It's important to get that. Was Moses a deserter or was he a deliverer? You got to look at him the other way because you see it in the scripture. What was, was that a disgraced son, a pig feeder? Or was he the child of a wealthy man who would become an heir of everything? You got to see it that uh, particular way. There was a widow one time who was starving. She's down to her last meal. So is she just a starving widow with her family? Or she is someone who is about to have an unlimited buffet? There's an action that's involved with changing things. It always has. Is Joseph a prisoner in a hole or is he the new prime minister of a kingdom? You got to look at it and see how it actually is. Are those nets empty or are they so full that they're about to sink the boat? Come on, Peter needed to take another look that day. Come on, are y'all getting a hold of this? So if we're going to succeed, especially in our giving, we have to listen, we have to learn, and we have to discern. Be able to hear the voice of God. Uh, Listening, learning, and discerning are the key to adaptation and change in a godly manner. It always has been, and it always will be. Once again, the ability to change is everything. The ability to adapt is everything in success. Uh, Imagine if you had the mind of change and adaptation the first time you heard about Apple computers. When they were saying back in the late 80s or early 90s that one day there'll be one of these in everybody's house and everybody's home. Do y'all remember those statements and all of that? And I remember saying easily, man, I don't have any time for what? What's an internet? That was in the 90s. What's an internet? What do you mean everybody's going to be communicating with internet? I don't have time for that. Today, you can't even get by a whole day without it, it seems like. I mean, technically you could, but you're going to leave a lot on the table when that takes place if you're using it correctly. No, you have to adapt. You have to learn and you have to be willing to discern and you have to be willing uh, to move to act on that because action is so, so important. Will y'all let me do this for just a minute longer? Are y'all learning this or is it just me? I'm probably talking to me. But if you're going to learn and you're going to discern, that's the key to what you earn. You learn. That's the natural. You discern. And then you put your hand to it some way and that's what you earn. If you're able to do that, you're willing to do it. To do that, you have to pursue the mentors that God places in your life, the spiritual leaders and or the natural leaders. I've asked people many times who are praying that God will bless them in business, go look at your own catalog of books and and resources and tell me how many you have there that deal with money management or investment or finances or something like that. It's the same way if you want to have a successful marriage and a successful home. If you're struggling in your home, go look and see how many things that you are actually looking after and reading after and seeing how you can adapt and change in those areas in your life. It's a, and that's a lifelong uh, process. Uh, you say, well, I'm just too old you know, to learn anything like that. Listen, I know 20-year-old millionaires today, and I know a ton of 80-year-old paupers because the difference is the ability to change and adapt. 
And God knows you're going to be alive living in the day you are. So you're not a past part of the generation you're living in. You are a now part of that. You are an active, involved part of the day you are living in. If you drink the Kool-Aid of once you turned 50 or 65 or something like that or 72, then now you can't do anything, then me, Jesus, and all the angels can't help you on that because you've got to be willing to embrace it, adapt to it, grow to it, evolve to it, and that happens as long as there's a heart beating inside of your soul. Come on. Are y'all, are y'all okay tonight? Is it too cold to learn? Are we doing all right? It's very necessary to have that mind that says, I want to change. My experience has been the questions that you ask determine the solutions that you have that you know. The problem in life, obviously, is not a problem. The problem is the question. You can solve any problem on the planet if you can ask the right question. If you can learn the right question. I remember years ago uh, when I was in the military, I went through electronic school before I cross-trained into legal school. And so when I was in electronic school, initially, I, I began to learn a, a, a wiring diagrams. I won't go into the detail, but anyway, so we were learning on, on how to do oscilloscopes in, in, in F4s. And so how to troubleshoot an oscilloscope. And they, they would say, well, if this is wrong, then what do you do? Well, you have to start asking questions of that scope to find out until you finally ask the right question and trace it back to where it is. The problem's easy to solve if you can ask the right question. And it's that same way in life. Listen, questions are extremely necessary. If your kids are asking a lot of questions, just remember that their whole life quest should be to find solutions. And by finding solutions, even though they may not be verbalizing a question, if they are trying to solve a problem, they are asking themselves a question, if nothing else. What happens if this? Why this? Why this? How this? Uh, and they should be learning. Can I encourage you? Never lose that ability. When you're born, you're born with two main qualities. Every human is born with two main uh, qualities uh, in their life. And it's important that you pursue those things and that you understand them. And they come through solutions. Solutions come through questions. One is spontaneity. Every person is born with a spontaneity to them. The moment a child is born, I want to eat. And it's automatic. Put that baby close to mother and here come all the sucking reflexes. They just start. They're spontaneous in them. The second thing is fearlessness. Every child is born fearless. I mean, they have to be taught to be afraid of something. They have to be told over and over, no, don't do that, don't do that. No, 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 don't do that. You'll burn yourself. Don't do that, don't do that. Because they don't know. And they're fearless about it. And they're spontaneous about it. And I'm preaching better and you're spontaneous. Amen. Y'all not letting on like I'm making any sense right here. Maybe this is just for me tonight. So it's really important that we discern and ask those questions. And then over the course of time, you begin to gain knowledge and application and you can begin to put that down. Do y'all think I ought to write any of this stuff down? My experience, of course, is that the, the miracle of success is in the plan of action. And us Christians, we have a, we have a, a tendency to think that success is in an unction. But it's not. It's actually success comes in the action. When we are the doer of the word, not the hearer only. 
when we are a person who put our hand to the plow and don't look back. Solomon had a plan to build a temple. He had a plan of action. I mean, he had an unction from God, but he, that temple didn't get built, so he had a plan. And it was a plan of action. Come on, everybody shout action. action. Joshua had a plan of action for the walls to fall. Uh, he had an unction, but until he did his plan of action, it didn't happen. And then when he activated that, that plan, it took place. David had an unction to go get back everything he had lost in Ziklag. But until he had the plan of action, the unction was just dormant. It's very important that we do not come across like we spiritually know it all. Instead of being a know-it-all, why don't we try to be a do-it-all? Does that make sense? That we're people who try to endeavor to do what God tells us to do, not just uh, who think we hear it or see it ourselves. Nehemiah had a plan of unction. He was supposed to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. But until he put it into action... Those walls were still not there. They weren't going to happen until he did it. Jesus had an unction. He had a, uh, from God, the Bible says, but until he activated the plan of action, you and I were still lost and in our sins. But thank God, Jesus acted on his unction. Come on, touch somebody and say, act on the unction. Come on, say that to them. Uh, you'll find out that success is highly uh, described in the Bible by meeting other people's needs. We are people who are called to meet needs. We are people who, who, who solve problems. You can be sure that you are identified by the problems you solve, not the ones you cause. Uh, one day when you stand uh, before the pearly gates, uh, you will not be judged, uh, the Bible says, on what you did not do, but on what you did do. That's how you will be rewarded. The, the word judge there is the word for reward. Where we'll be rewarded if you make it to heaven, the judgment is the judgment seat of rewards, the Bible says. I don't know about you, but I want a lot of them. You say, that's greedy. Well, pray for me. I still want a lot of them. Your prayer isn't working yet. You stay enthusiastic about it and believe God to expand you and to increase you. Uh, if you succeed in anything in life, uh, you, you do have to keep a motivation. You have to stay enthusiastic. Somebody once said enthusiasm is enthuo. It's an interesting word. It's a Greek word. And it just means uh, God in you, like the nature of God in you. You can be sure that Jesus did not go around with a frown on his face. Jesus, uh, a couple of times in the Bible, it says he got angry. I think that's interesting. But uh, I'll call that divine anger and I won't even go there. The rest of the time, they had to try to keep the kids and the children off of him. There were so many children that wanted to be around him. Children don't want to get around mean, ugly people. They like enthusiastic people, smiling people, joyful people. I think Jesus walked around with a smile about that big. Come on, smile like that. Even if you just got one tooth, come on, just smile. Just, just a big old smile like that. You know, I believe Jesus did that. I think he was a, I think he was a magnet for, uh, for the kingdom of God, much less the message of the kingdom of God. He believed in his message. He believed in his purpose. You want to succeed? Uh, you want to believe God for, to, for increase? Uh, it's very important that you believe in your own message. Hallelujah. That's where success comes from. It always uh, has been and it always will be. Jesus believed in it. He stayed energized about it. He kept going and he kept believing. Uh, he did that 
all successful people I've ever met in my life so far, and I've met many successful people that are in that flow in their life, they have a sense of destiny about their life. Does that make any sense? There comes a point where they think they are doing what they were born to do. They literally believe that was my purpose. That's my plan. Whether that's in business, whether it's in the family, uh, whether it's in church, in ministry, they believe that's what I was created to do ultimately. Successful people learn why they were created. And every one of us has a purpose and a plan from God in our life. Come on, I believe it's part of the plan is just to be here tonight and hear this simple teaching this evening. I hope this is helping someone. You've got to believe in your own message because your confidence will determine your conduct most of the time and what you are believing for, what you're working for, what you are endeavoring to succeed at. Say that with me. Say, my confidence determines my conduct. It's very important to let that sink in uh, because who wants to lose uh, by default in anything? One thing you see in the Scriptures Uh, God is the God of incentives. He always has been and He always will be. God doesn't give you money just because He loves you. He saved you. He died for you because He loves you. Money is not just a gift from God. Money is a reward for work or for labor. All through the Scriptures. When you obey God, uh, you activate spiritual laws. Uh, you'll, You'll learn real quick. When you tithe and offer, I learned this early on in life. That by tithing and offering, I didn't walk out of my father's church and in the, in the front for you, there was a printing press and I'd given $10 and I'd get up there and they'd give me a $100 bill walking out. No, that didn't happen like that. Uh, in the house of God, what I found out was favor would come. Ideas would come. Doors would open. Uh, the, the blessing of the Lord, the goodness of God, opportunities begin to uh, come my direction. Things that would have set me back suddenly got removed. And the Lord continues to move that forward. Uh, I can begin to give you examples, not just about me, but of many people that would say the same thing in their life. How many of you can believe that? That when you've given, God has opened up doors. Well, you know, you never get too young or too old for God to do that. He's still doing that today. He is opening the windows of heaven. And His power, His favor, that flow, and I believe that ability to recognize and understand becomes finely tuned in you as you continue to obey God. When you give, you activate those anointings. The Scripture is real plain about it. The Scripture uh, teaches continually that God is a God of incentives. He is incentive-based. The kingdom of God is an incentive-based kingdom. Jesus said things like, if you'll follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Uh, If you'll follow me in my father's house or many mansions, I'm going to give you one also. Uh, David said, what did you say King Saul would be given to the man who kills the giant? He asked him about it twice. He he asked two different times, what's going to be done? You mean all their bills are going to be paid? His father's house will never have to pay taxes again? He's going to live a prosperous life and he's going to become a prince? He's going to marry your ugly daughter and become a prince? I mean, it's in the Bible. (laughs) Ugly is my own injection. And and so it's very important to hear that. He asked twice about it. And we like to talk about David and he killed a giant. There was rocks laying everywhere. And not a single rock killed a single giant until a boy picked it up and threw it. It's not in your unction, it's in your action. 
I know God loves us, but God loved you even before you were saved. But when you come into His kingdom, now you begin to activate the principles of the kingdom of God. You'll always have the unction that God loves you. He wants you. He cares for you. He's all of that. But the response qualities of the kingdom of heaven are activated by the actions of faith. The work of faith, the work of love. We are the hands of God. We're the feet of God. We're the words of God. Come on, in the earth today, in the day we're living in. Are y'all okay still? Uh, Success comes uh, most of the time in people's lives. You can be sure it will in your life over and over and over. Favor will come because you solve problems. Problem solvers, people who meet needs, not who bring needs, point out needs, that's a need, that's a need. I've had people come to me before and say, oh, it's in the nursery. You need to have three more people working in the nursery. I'm telling them, thank you. And now I just need two. Is that what you're saying? Because you, you must have seen that need and you're going to meet that need. Uh, and it's very important to understand that God sh- shows us things. And those things usually become the doorway or the opportunity to something greater. It's amazing how one contact, one communication can change your life forever. Hallelujah. Uh, My experience in life is people only get paid because they uh, solve problems. We don't get paid because they have degrees. You can have a degree that long, but if you can't solve a problem, it won't make any difference. Nobody wants to hire your degree. They could care less about your degree. It's just an implication that you've gone through school and you've done all of that. But if you can't activate it, you don't have an action to go with that, then you're going to be a short timer and you're going to be all frustrated because someone else is promoting uh, faster up that ladder uh, than you are. We are problem solvers. Come on, shout hallelujah. Teach your children to be problem solvers by modeling that in front of them, helping them, and don't freak out because generally solving a problem is the path to promotion. It always has been, and it always will be. Solutions, when a person can, can uh, do that, uh, it literally create it releases compliments. Uh, solutions, solve problem solvers. Those are the ones who get compliments. Now, if it's, if it's just someone talking all the time to you and telling you're all that in a bag of chips, but you're not a problem solver, generally that's called flattery. And flattery is almost always trying to take something from you. But a compliment is giving something to you. And people who are problem solvers get the compliments. All of this on a Wednesday night. Aren't you glad you came to church tonight? Problems birth new ideas. Problems birth solutions. You'll always be remembered by the problems that you solved, not the ones you create. Especially in relationship to the kingdom of God. Everybody okay? Love creates the ability to discern and to discern needs. Love does that. If you have the love of God in you on your job, you will see the ability, you have the ability to discern a need and you have the ability to solve that need many times depending on what what your job is. But it's very important to understand that a mother can discern the need of her child before that child can ever talk. Because love discerns need. But the ability to solve that need and the willingness to do that, of course, is where the the character, that love of God that's on the inside of every person, don't just boil that down to a mother and a father. 
I like to call it success through incentive also because Jesus did that. Uh, he told the woman at the well, he said, if you drink the water I give you, you will never thirst again. That's a great incentive to drink uh, the water that Jesus gives. Jesus said, if you give, you will receive. You know, if God says you're going to receive, uh, He'll never be in debt to you. That means you're going to receive more than you give. Can you agree that God does not need dollar bills in heaven? Come on, give me two amens right there. The streets are made out of gold. But giving is what activates the principles and the power of the kingdom of heaven on earth. It's very necessary to do it. God set it up that way. It's just in the scripture. He said, in my father's house, there are many mansions and I'm making one for you. It's very important to hear that. He said, when you give and you sow the right seed, he said, some of that's going to come back 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. I like to call it incentive-based evangelism because it absolutely is in the Scripture. The Bible says, give, and I'll give it back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Jesus told his own disciples one time, and a man asking him about what he needed to do to enter into his kingdom. He said, if you'll do these things and follow me, you'll enter into the kingdom. And he said, if you've, if you've lost something in this life for my name's sake, I'll give it back to you a hundredfold. Oh my goodness, that's a pretty good incentive. Somebody shout hallelujah. He said, I'll do this in this life. He said, if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. Well, bountiful here, based upon the bountiful that He returns to you, you can be sure His definition of bountiful is going to be different than yours. It's going to increase and it's going to expand. And He said, you will reap if you faint not. He said, if you kill giants, this is what I'm going to do for you. He told, us, he told Peter and the disciples, if you'll launch out into the deep, now let your nets down for a great catch of fish. And so he borrowed their boat just for a little while, preached in it, and then told them to go out there and fill it up. And to fill it up with big fish. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. All growth begins with a seed. Advertisement. Billboards are a seed. The website is a seed. Your words are a seed, the Bible says. His word is a seed. When we give... We're planting in the kingdom of heaven. And when we give, we should expect to receive the benefits and the qualities of the kingdom of heaven. I know the Sunday morning in, night, in September 1976 when I broke poverty out of my life. I know that day when Cindy and I gave our first $1,000. When we did that, it destroyed the spirit of poverty that I had grown up thinking about and being taught about, you don't have enough, there's not enough, there's never 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 enough. And when we had only been married 90 days, almost 90 days, and we had saved $1,000. It was just her and me, we didn't have any children, and we had saved $1,000. She was working and I was working, and that was in 1976. And that's when $1,000 was still worth $500. And so we were back then. And God was blessing us. And we made that decision that we were going to tithe and offer and not miss an opportunity to give. And we gave that $1,000 that day. And we have never looked back. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, if I'm bragging, I'm talking about how good God is. And we decided us and our household would never be poor because poverty is a curse. 
It is not from God and God has an ability and a power when you become a part of His kingdom to break that out of you as much as He does sickness or sin. I'd just soon take a vow of, uh, of sin as I would take a vow of poverty. I'd soon take a vow of sickness as I would take a vow of poverty. It's not in the scripture anywhere. I'm preaching so good right now. And it takes dead religious mindsets to teach that to people that somehow you're supposed to take a vow of poverty. That is not in the Bible. If God tells you to give everything, it's not because he is trying to give you poverty. He is positioning you for prosperity in ways you can't even remember. You can't even know at that particular time. But uh, I'm not saying you have to give everything you have, obviously. But you listen to what God tells you to do. Because God will never put you in debt to Him. He's always good to you. He loves us. He blesses us. His Word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our pathway. Cindy and I sold $1,000 that morning. And we were believing God to help pay for a parking lot. Uh, a parking lot at the church in the little church we grew up in. And, and God blessed that. We never even thought about it after that. I like to tell that story. After we gave it, we just gave it to the Lord. But 10 years later, almost to the day, I'm driving down uh, Highway 96 going south, which is not Highway 96 here, uh, Highway 96 up in East Texas. Coming south, we had just sold uh, in 1986. We just sold one of our businesses and they'd given us $100,000 upfront money. We didn't owe anything on it. They gave us $100,000 uh, upfront. Uh, we were uh, the church, we had been pastoring here for a little over a year at that time and decided we'll sell that uh, because I was keeping an ace in the hole just in case I ever needed to go back. I thought, well, I won't sell that company. What, what, if, what if the church doesn't work? Uh, and you say, well, that doesn't take much faith. I know, I've grown a lot. That's just how it was back in those days. And so we made a decision that we would uh, sell that company. And we did, and God blessed us. And I'm driving down Highway 96 with $100,000 in 1986, and that's when $100,000 was still worth $25,000. Know? And so we were driving down the highway, and I'm thinking, oh, hallelujah, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, she come outside. You know, I'm all excited about it. It's always a nice day uh, for something like that to happen. And the Holy Spirit said to me, like I'm talking to you right now, that's your hundredfold return on that first thousand dollars that you gave in 1976. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Take another look. Take another look. Is Jesus just the carpenter's boy who was a really good guy? Or is he the Son of God, Emmanuel, God in flesh? Is the Holy Spirit just a Pentecostal sideshow that took place on 120 people? who were going through traumatic withdrawals because their leader had been uh, uh, raptured off of the earth or had been crucified and was in great controversy? Or was it the birth of the New Testament church in power and in might? Take another look. Is laying on hands, is that something that we do just because we say that they did it somewhere in the Bible, not 
uh, discounting the fact that it goes from Genesis all the way through Revelation. No, no, no. Take another look. Your hands are anointed. There's power in your hands. There's ability in your hands. There's anointing in your hands. Your feet are anointed. Your feet are anointed to carry you and take you in that path of righteousness for His name's sake. God will bless your work. He will bless your action. He will give you an unction. He will give ideas and opportunities. He saved you because He loves you. He'll reward you because of your response. Because you act on something. He says, give and it'll be given to you. Other scripture says, if you want to have friends, first show yourself friendly. That's a kingdom principle. That's not just uh, a social uh, teaching some way. That's in the Bible. If a man would have friends, let him show himself friendly. A friendly is a learned technique. But it almost always starts with a smile. Once again, look at somebody and give them a big smile and just say, I'm so glad I'm in church on Wednesday night. I just got a $1,000 short teaching on a Wednesday night, almost a personal counseling session with the pastor on a Wednesday night. I didn't hang a sign out here and say $100 for everybody that comes for this hour. I promise you I could do that. And because I've got the degrees and all that silliness, you know, to go along with that. But you know what we do? We do in faith. We do it as under the Lord. We receive as under the Lord. Come on, shout hallelujah. Uh, we learned that David, David didn't kill that giant until he threw that stone. And there were stones everywhere. There were soldiers everywhere. But one little boy picked up the stone and threw it. And when he threw it, History is still being made because of that, that guided muscle that God sent that way. When that stone began to go that direction, it's still going that way. Mountains are everywhere. The victor is the one who learns to speak to the mountain. Not just climb every mountain. Not just pull up your bootstraps and walk around the mountain. Not just to accept the, a mountain. Not even to dignify the mountain because we don't know what to do. Well, when you don't know what to do, just speak to it, the Word of God. If you don't know exactly what to do, just speak to it. You know if it's for you or against you. If it's an obstacle in your life, what does the Word of God say? That's like throwing a stone at your giant. Uh, and you begin to do that and you begin to obey God. The scripture says in Ephesians chapter 6, one of the great teachings of, of the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus, he said to make your stand. But the sentence in front of that says, and when you've done all you know to do to stand, comma, stand. You make your stand. So your victorious stance in life is not just because you're a Christian. It's because you are a Christian and you are now doing all you know to do to make that stand. And as you make that stand, we find out that God cooperates with us, listen, when we cooperate with His kingdom. He said, you bind on earth what's bound in heaven. You loose on earth what's loosed in heaven. 
I call that cooperating with the spirit realm. And that's one of the first things he said to the church. It's very necessary. He asked Moses one time. He said, Moses, what's in your hand? He said, a stick. I have this rod. As long as he just kind of held it in his hand like that, he was still subject to being defeated. But when he threw that, God said, throw it down. When he acted on the unction, look what took place. It's very important for us to act on the unction. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good Word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, Men and women I found are so generous when the Word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.